You know, um, most of us know uh, what um, faith is to a point. And I think if you've grown up in the church too, you understand that faith is a really uh, critical part of the Christian life. You know, we've heard that verse that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And, and so we kind of understand overall what faith is. But I think for a lot of us also, there's a uh, misunderstanding uh, of what faith is. Because I think for a lot of us, we see people who are really faithful. We see people who give a lot or serve a lot or do a lot. And we think that maybe faith is something that people are born with that maybe it's a uh, special characteristic of some people, that maybe it's a, it's a trait or, or maybe it's something that you have to like study up on, like a, like a degree, and, and then you'll, you'll get really, really faithful. But, you know, I want to argue that faith is actually a lot simpler than that, that for a lot of us, we think of it as a noun, as, as something that's here, but I want to argue that it's more like a verb where it's more like an action, that is something that you take and you go out and you do. Because all over the Bible and people of faith in the Bible, they, they don't just sit there idly doing nothing, but they in fact go out and they go first and they do. That they act in faith, that they take a leap of faith, that they take a step of faith, and then they trust that God is going to provide. You see, that is what faith is. A lot of times for us, we're not going to have a complete understanding of the situation in front of us. For a lot of us, we're not going to have all of the knowledge to be able to make the best decision in faith. And for a lot of us, we're not going to be able to see exactly where we need to go. But in those instances, church, you have to realize that that is where true faith comes in. Now, the reason I'm talking about faith here is because in this passage, we come across this woman named Rahab. And Rahab in the Bible, she's known uh, for two specific things. She's known as a prostitute, and she's known as someone who's very poor. But more than that, she's known as a woman of faith. Because what we see in the Bible and what God has said about her is that her past may be as a prostitute, her past may be in her mistakes, but her future is in her faith. That her future is about these things. And so when God looks at her in the New Testament, it says that, she, that he is pleased with her. That her mistakes don't define her. Her mistakes don't identify her. But it is her faith as a woman of God that defines her. It is her faith as a woman of God that really identifies her. And so today, what I want to do is just look at this one question that I think is really important for us as Christians. And that question is, what was so great about Rahab's faith? What was so different about Rahab's faith, about Rahab's faith than almost anyone else? And there's going to be a couple things we're going to go over together. One of the reasons why Rahab's faith was so great was because her faith was in God and not in man. You see, her faith was purely and simply based in God, and it wasn't in the world, 
and it wasn't in culture, and it wasn't in anything else. You see, in the beginning of this passage, what we know is that Joshua sends out two spies to look over the land of Jericho. What they wanted was to find something there, a weakness there, to be able to go in and and destroy the city there, or to take over the city. And so the spies, they, they go into Jericho, and the first place they enter into was Rahab's house. But what we know is that something goes wrong. Because when they arrive in Rahab's house, the king of Jericho finds out about them. And so in verse 3, the king, of, the king of Jericho says to Rahab, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. So for these two spies, they weren't only, their location wasn't only found out, their mission was found out as well. The king of Jericho knew everything about them, and, they, and he even knew that they were hiding in Rahab's house. And so he tells Rahab to, to come to him. I mean, he's a king. He must be kind of impressive. He must be kind of daunting, right? And so Rahab, who's just this poor prostitute, goes before the king of Jericho, and Jer- the king of Jericho says, bring out those men. I know that you have them. And Rahab's response is in verse 4 where she says, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. You see, Rahab misled the king. You know, in biblical terms, what that's called is a shebe lion, right? That she's, uh, she's kind of you know, falsifying some facts, that she's making some uh, kind of a lot of uh, little, twisting things a little bit, right? Because for her, she had hid the spies, allowed them to be on her roof, but in front of the face of the king of Jericho, she said, no, no, no he, they, they, I don't know who they really were, but they, they came in and, and, and then they left. So she told a straight up lie. And so when we talk about passages like this, uh, it naturally raises the question, uh, when is it okay to lie, right? What is that, you know, a little, 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 is it okay, right? Because I know that for some people, we think, oh, it's, it's always okay to lie. So, you know, once in a while, it doesn't hurt anybody. You know, we can just do this once in a while, and it just gets into a habit, and people lie and lie and lie and lie. And I want you to know that here, the Bible never condones lying. It never says, God looked down at Rahab in her lie and was pleased. No, no, no. There's nothing like that there. I want you to know that when it comes to these types of things, I'm going to try to make this as short as possible, that in this scenario, there are two sins present on the table. And for Rahab, there was no other option there, right? We know that. And so there was the sin of lying, which, of course, the Bible says, do not lie. And there was the sin of turning in these two men of God, knowing that if she turned them in, that they would die. And so for her, in her mind, she had to weigh these two options out. And so for her, when there are two options on the table and there are no other pathways out, then for her, she picked the option that brought God the greatest glory. 
And that has to be your thinking too, because there may be situations in the future where there are two sins on the table, and you think, what am I supposed to do? Well, when we look at this example, it's really simple. Choose the option that brings God the greatest glory. And so Rahab, she chooses to hide the spies, uh, and she chooses to protect them, even though she knew that uh, she could die for it, even though she knew that her reputation would even be worse than it is right now, and knowing that if she had turned them in, she probably would have gotten a huge reward. And so the question becomes, why, why would Rahab hide them? Why wouldn't she just turn these spies in? And you see, the reason why Rahab was willing to do that is because it's in the next verse, verse 9. She says, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you. And then in verse 11, and as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is the God of heavens above and of the earths beneath. So what she's saying is she hides the spies, she lies to the king, and then she goes up to the spies and she says, look, I have heard of your king. We have heard of him. We have heard of all that he has done. We have heard how he's opened the Red Sea, how he's delivered you from Egypt, how he has brought you to the edge of the promised land. We have heard these things. And I want you to know the language that she uses, that she does not say I, I, I. She says we. She constantly uses the plural. And I want you to know that because the information that she received is this exact same information that everyone else received. That the information that she had about God is the same information that the entire city of Jericho had as well. That the miracles that God had performed, that the things that God has said, that the way that he has led the Israelites was the exact same information, the exact same things that she had heard that the people of Jericho have heard as well. Exact same. And so for her, what she is saying in that moment, what you have to know, is that in the middle of everybody knowing the same truth and going in this direction of hating your God, I have chosen to go the opposite way. I have chosen to make a different decision than everyone else. Everyone heard about your God. Everyone heard about how he delivered your people, about how he has opened the Red Sea, about how he has done those things. And the reaction of everyone in Jericho is to say, I want to kill them. I want to forsake them. I want to destroy them. But for me, I choose to identify with them. And that's why I'm willing and able to hide you. You see, by this time, church, the, the Israelites, they were famous. Every city in the promised land had heard about Israel and their God. They would have heard how God had done all of these things and have single-handedly destroyed the greatest nation of Egypt at that time. 
And so, therefore, the city of Jericho hated them because they had their own gods. They had their own royalty. And so for them to hear about this other god who was doing all these other things, they were afraid and they wanted to destroy what they feared. But for Rahab, she heard the same information. She heard the same news, but she responded differently. Rahab went against the ideas and the thoughts of everyone else. She made a decision against the culture. You see, what this says simply is she's saying, look, I'm, I am not going to align myself with the culture. I am not going to align myself with this world. I'm going to align myself with God. And because she made a radical decision to align herself with the Lord and in turn disalign herself with the culture, that's why we are still talking about Rahab today. That is why she is in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. That is why her identity is not as a prostitute, is not as a Canaanite, is not as a Gentile, is not as this woman who just lived in the city. Her identity is as a woman of God whose faith pleased the Lord. What a beautiful story. And so church, naturally my question to you is this. When you think about your own life, when you think about your own ideals and your own values and your own thoughts, who are you aligning yourself with? Do you see yourself closer to the Lord, to what the Bible tells us is right, to, to how to live as a faithful man or woman of God, or do you see your values and the things that you cherish and the things that you desire to be closer to what the world says is good? And I want you to be careful because if your values tend to line more up with the world, then there may be a day that comes in the near future where you also go down when the world goes down. You see, one of the realities of being committed to Christ is sometimes you find yourself by yourself. That sometimes you're going to look around and that there's no one else who's going to be standing with you. But I want to encourage you today that, look, it's meant to be that way. You're in the right place if that's you. That if all of your friends, all of your coworkers, all the other students, if they are looking in one direction and you are looking in the other and you are growing in despair because of that, I want to encourage you, praise be to God. That's exactly where you should be. Because in John 15, 18 to 19, Jesus, he says this, if the world hates you, you have to keep in mind that the world hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own, but here's the thing, you do not belong in this world, for I have chosen you to be out of this world. That is why the world hates you. Keep that in mind, church. You see, Rahab, she made the decision to align herself with God, even though it would mean that she would not be aligned with the world. She realized that she could receive ridicule. She realized that her reputation could be tainted. She realized that even it could mean death, and yet she, cho she chose to be with the Lord. 
this is why her faith was great. The second reason why Rahab's faith was great was because she put her faith first and she asked second. Let me say that again. The second reason Rahab's faith was great was because she put her faith first and she asked second. You see, after she hides the spies and she tells them why she lies to the king, she actually asks for one thing. She, she requests one thing. In verse 12, Rahab says, Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. So what she's saying here is, look, I've, I've chosen the Lord. He's it for me. And you've seen the fruit of my faith. You've seen my faith in action. That as the king came in, I have chosen to believe in the Lord. I have saved you. I have not done any of these things in order to betray you or anything like that. I believe in your God, the God of Israel. But now I'm asking for one request. When God destroys the city, when he takes over the city, which I know that he will, I ask that you cover me and my family. I ask that you save me and my family. You see, when Rahab is speaking, she uses this Hebrew word that is translated here as kindness or, or kindly. And that Hebrew word is hesed. Now, this Hebrew word hesed is, is actually really uh, important because it specifically means God's covenantal love towards his people. And the reason why Hesed is so important and the reason why Rahab uses the word Hesed is because when God is using covenantal love towards his people, he is the first one who goes out and he is the first one who says, I will love you even if you don't love me. That's the first thing. He says, I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to pour out to you. I'm going to be by your side, even if you are unfaithful to me. That is God's hesed love. That is his covenantal love. And so for Rahab, she could have used any other word in the dictionary. And yet she uses the word hesed. She said, I have shown hesed love to you. And so please show Hesed love to me. And so why would Rahab use the word Hesed? Now here's why. Because for her, before she asks for help, she makes a faith decision to follow God rather than the world. Because for her, before she even requests a single thing, before she even asks of a single favor, what she does first is she says, God, I am going to follow after you no matter what. That even if you don't grant me anything, I believe in you. I believe in what you have done. I believe in the miracles you have done. I believe in all these other things. And so, God, I am going to follow after you. You have seen the fruit of my faith. And now, and now, I ask this of you. You see, for too many of us, for so many Christians today, we do the exact opposite, don't we? We say, God, would you grant me this request? Would you cut me this deal? 
Would you do this one thing? And if you are faithful here, if you do this request here, then you know what? Then, then, then I'll, I'll show my faith. Then I'll, I'll do these things. Man, but I want you to know that God has already shown his hesed love to you and me. And it was through his son, Jesus Christ. And so that is the greatest gift that we have. And so his asking of us now is saying, look, because I have shown you this, because I have shown you this hesed love, I want you, that when you pray to me, to go out in faith first. Show your love in faith. That even when you don't understand everything in front of you, that even if when you don't see everything in front of you, that even if you don't have all of the knowledge that you need, you will choose to follow me before you follow the world. And then, only then, request. And when you go before the Lord like that, man, this is the type of faith that God is talking about. This is the type of faith that Rahab has, church. Hebrews 11 says, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the conviction of what we cannot see. For Rahab, she moves out in faith first and then she asks. Her faith decision preceded everything else in her life. It was her faith first. It wasn't just a noun. It wasn't just something inside her. It wasn't just something that she knew conceptually. It was a verb. It was an action. And so she stepped out in faith, and God followed her after that. See that? Church, is this the way that we pray? Is this what we believe? Is this how we go before the Lord? What we know in Hebrews 11, it says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Is your desire to please God? Then have faith. Have true faith lasting faith like Rahab. Before you can see what's ahead of you, before he makes a way, before you understand what's happening, he wants to see your faith first. And so Rahab asks for help and God responds. He delivers her and he delivers her family. We read uh, in later chapters that uh, the Israelites walk around Jericho seven times and the walls come falling down. Now what we also know is that there was one piece of wall that stayed still. And it was a piece of wall that housed Rahab and her family. Because in Joshua 6, after the walls come down, verse 23 says, the young men who have done the spying went in and brought Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers and sisters, and they brought her out and delivered her to the camp of Israel. You see, Rahab was delivered because of her faith. Church, I pray and I hope that we have this type of faith too. Because the power of God and the work of his hands, it works through our faith in him. That as we continue to grow in our faith, we will see mighty works done. And so have faith. Church, the last thing I want to mention is how, Ray, is how Rahab and her family were saved. You see, the spies, they tell her, they tell her to do just one thing. They say, look, when we leave and we go around and we uh, blow the trumpets and do everything, I, I want you to do one thing. I want you to lay out a scarlet cord of rope outside your window. 
And I want you to know that as we circle around, God, he will not touch the house that that scarlet rope is hanging out from. Now, the Bible doesn't say exactly why they use this method, but scholars have a pretty good idea. Because years ago, what we know is that in Egypt, there was a time when there was this angel of God who came down. And the angel of God took all the firstborn sons away. However, for the Israelite households, what they did is they painted the lamb of the blood of a lamb on their doorpost. And so all of those houses that had that red blood, the angel of God passed over. You see, as Christians, we believe that all of history points to this one specific time in history. And that time is when Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and rose again. And what we know is that the ultimate lamb, the perfect lamb, died on that day. And that is his blood that covers us completely. That when the angel of death was supposed to come for us, for you and for me, it was able to pass over because his blood covers us. And so now when we have faith and when we believe in Jesus Christ as our personal Savior and Lord, we are now able to go spend eternity with him. What a wonderful God. What a beautiful Savior. Amen? Let's pray.